short-handed chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live with you from inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 home of the Oh buddy it is draft day the 2022 NHL entry draft commences right now that's right round number one it starts right now on ESPN plus if you've got ESPN plus make sure to tune in the Golden Knights without a first round pick however there's been quite a lot of movement in the NHL today some contract extensions of note to talk about including one that just came down And we'll get to that, I promise, over the course of the next two hours. We've also got to look at some trades that happened in the NHL. Honestly, my favorite part of draft day, my favorite part of the NHL draft is Gary Bettman announcing to the world that there is a trade to announce. I love it. It's my favorite. I'm not going to go into the impression because, frankly, I'm a little bit rusty after having been off the last three days. But all that being said, there are some trades that we need to discuss and some big ones at that. We're also going to get to the Sam and Ash Legal Minute at 445. That's coming up for you. We're going to get into what we would do. Chapman, you're going to be involved in this as well with A day with the Stanley Cup. I have some ideas. I have some thoughts. There's really only a couple of things I'd want to do. I'm very curious to see what the newly newly christened skate hockey player... Chris Chapman's going to do with his day with the Cup. Uh, And then we're going to get into the the NHL schedule. The Golden Knights schedule. The NHL uh, 2022-23 season schedule was released over the last couple of days. We're going to dig into some of the important dates for the Vegas Golden Knights, get to the bottom of which games Chapman is most looking forward to, as well as me. And then, of course, we've got a lot of one-timers with all the trades, all the news, and the draft going right now. So, In Montreal, the Canadians have the number one overall pick. We're going to start there with the draft, Chapman, before the first overall pick is in. Consensus seems to be it's either going to be Shane Wright or it's going to be Uri Slavkovsky. What direction, Chapman, do you expect the Montreal Canadiens to go with their first overall pick in this draft? You know, it's... I think a lot of the talk leading into the draft was was Shane Wright, but uh, Slykovsky has has kind of come on maybe the last month or two. Uh, so I think I think Ottawa. Uh, sorry, Ottawa. Uh, my mind is on on Pierre Dorian. Actually, <laughs> we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, I, we'll I'm, get I'm, there. I'm so I excited. You. We'll get I'm there. so excited. But I I, I think they're going to go Shane Wright. I think they're going to go with the center as opposed to the winger. Uh, just my my gut feeling. I I think there's a little more value on a center as opposed to a winger, especially when you're drafting at the top. So, 
Uh, my my gut feeling tells me they go center. Shane Wright. Yeah, I I think Shane Wright's is an, an interesting one, right? Like we're talking about a player that that does play down the middle. If you're the Montreal Canadiens and you're trying to assess what it is you need within the organization, I, I don't know that going with a responsible 200-foot center iceman that can score is necessarily a problem. It's a bad thing at all. But, you know, the other op- the other question that I would have is, given the Canadians where they're at right now, I think you've got a pretty good uh, top-line center in, in terms of Nick Suzuki, but, like, what do you have on the wings, really, if you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens? Like, what do you have on the wing, Really, and if you're looking at Slavkovsky and just the way that he's built and the difference that he can make with the puck and the the ability to score, like I I don't know that it's outside the realm of possibility that the Canadians go away from the middle of the ice, they go away from the center ice position, and they take Slavkovsky here. Yeah, you know you know what, though, Ryan, like you look at their roster and they're devoid of talent in a lot of places. Um, obviously, <laughs> they're, they're, I, I think. When you look at their 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 depth at center, they have Nick Suzuki, but after that, it's like Christian Dvorak. I mean, he's okay, I guess. Uh, Cole Caulfield's not a center; he's a winger. Ryan Poling's really really young, and then Ben Rem Pitlick. It's like, uh, where where is my 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 center depth? I don't have any. And I know, I know you, you mentioned there, there's literally nothing on the wings, but I think they have a little more depth on the wing. I mean, at least Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, and Mike Hoffman are somewhat good. And then they acquired Mike Hoffman, or I'm sorry, Evgeny Dodonov, you know, from, from Vegas. So mm-hmm. I think there's a little sure. bit more there on the wing than there is at the center. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not too comfortable going into any season with Rem Pitlick being my my fourth line center or my third line center or my second line center. I mean, and I'm not saying that Shane Wright is going to come in right away and, and, and be a star, but I mean, if you're Montreal, you're drafting high. There's a lot of pressure to get it right. I think you want to draft a guy who's going to be able to come in and mm-hmm. play fairly soon. Maybe not right away, but fairly soon. This is a team that, that mm-hmm. I'm still scratching my head. I mean, did Philip Deneau really mean that much to the Montreal Canadiens and their success? Because yes, yes, I, I mean, it, 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 yes. it really yes, shows. It, it shows just how great of a player Deneau is that you take him off the Canadians mm-hmm. and they go from a Stanley Cup final to being the worst team in the league. And all of a sudden, L.A. goes mm-hmm. from being a team that was not really thought about and they were in a total rebuild to all of a sudden, in two years, they're probably now the favorites to win the Pacific. At least in the discussion. Yeah, it, it, well, we'll 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 get there, Chapman. I don't know that I want to anoint the Los Angeles Kings as the division winners just yet. We've got to see uh, what the next couple of days look like for the Vegas Golden Knights. Certainly for the the the, the Calgary Flames. To me, like they're they're fascinating right now because. As, as tends to happen when it comes to the draft, especially going into the first round, there's a lot of rumors being spread. There's a lot of stuff out there. And to me, like the idea floated this morning that not only are the Calgary Flames unsure about Johnny Gaudreau's future, but the idea, the inclination, the, the thought process that the Flames would at all entertain the idea of trading Matthew Kachuk is just bonkers to me like listen it is going to hurt it is gonna suck 
for Calgary Flames fans if Johnny Gaudreau does not re-sign there. It's going to suck if the Flames do not have Johnny Gaudreau. But I could not imagine choosing to also then move on from Matthew Kachuk. Like, if Kachuk wants out, that's one thing. Though he is a restricted free agent, though you can still find a way to make it work, I just, I don't understand the idea of what you could possibly get in return. I know it'll be a bigger haul. I know it'll be a big return because he's he's on he's an RFA. He's on, uh, you know, he, he's his rights are controlled by the team that you're trading him to. But the fact of the matter is, you cannot, you should not, accept losing Johnny Gaudreau and then go and say, nah, we're going to move on from Matthew Kachuk too. Like that seems to me like a very, very easy recipe to be bad for a long time if you're the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I I, I don't think you get good by by letting your best player go away, right? Like I, I, I think that's, like I, I just think about how, how important he is to not only the top line, but the rest of the team. When you have a guy like that, it makes the rest of your team better. Not just that top line. And it, you know, it, it, there, there's always been the rumors about him going to Philadelphia. You know, he grew up really close across the across Delaware River in uh, New Jersey, and he didn't play his high school hockey too far from uh, the city of Philadelphia. So I, 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 I don't want to say he's going to Philadelphia. Like I, I just don't know how he fits there because he's a little undersized. But you know, there's there's so much intrigue about. What Calgary is going to do? Chapman, you want to know how he fits? You want to know how he fits? He makes plays. Yeah, well. Like, he, he, he'll be fine. He'll be, like, the Flyers, <laughs> for all that they, and, and this is interesting, because I was challenged today uh, by by someone on Twitter to um, to say a good thing about the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I have a tendency, I don't know if you've noticed, Chapman, to kind of poo-poo on the Philadelphia Flyers, <laughs> which is fine. Like, it's not a big deal. But the fact of the matter is, I, like, listen, I think that if you're the Philadelphia Flyers and you can get Johnny Gaudreau, that certainly accelerates things for you. I, I don't think Philadelphia is going to get Johnny Gaudreau and all of a sudden be a world beater. I don't think that's how it's going to work. But... You know that they were trying to get in on Alex DeBrinkett. Didn't work out. We'll get there, I promise. But to me, like, Gaudreau moves the needle. And the Flyers are not the Broad Street bullies. Like, they're not that big and physical punch-you-in-the-mouth type of a team. Like, there's enough there that if you want to build around Johnny Gaudreau, if you want to have elements where you're a little bit nasty and tough to play against, by all means, go for it. But getting a playmaker that can do what Goudreau does certainly would be a, a, a coup for the, the Philadelphia Flyers if they're able to get it done. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, and, and the other thing is he'll put butts in the seat. and I, sure, I That's I, huge. I, yeah. You know, and, and the Philadelphia, Phil, Philadelphia is, a, is a funny town because it's, it's a great sports city. I mean, it's one of the greatest sports cities in America, but man, they are absolutely brutal when it comes to, to their fan base, and, and not just the Flyers, but that extends to the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, Villanova basketball. I mean, they are tough, tough fans. Johnny Goudreau will put smiles on the faces of Philadelphia Flyer fans because they don't really have a lot to look forward to. But I kind of feel like his entire life, he's kind of wanted to be there. Like, I, you don't grow up far from there. And not want to, and and don't dream of playing for the Flyers. You don't dream of not scoring the winning goal in Game Seven for the Flyers. So, I think it, it, if that's where he ends up, I think it's a good marriage. Um, you know, they have another Jersey guy in Van Riemsdyk. 
Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it works out. I mean, the the, the Flyers. I don't want to say they're one of the more historic franchises, but they have a pretty good history. It's not like they're they're a team with zero history. So helping restore that franchise back to the days of of guys like Lindros and John LeClair, Ron Hextall. I mean, that would be that would be I I, I think a coup for for the Flyers if they're able to land Goudreau. So Gary Bettman has taken the stage in Montreal. All accounts are that he was booed mercilessly, which is, you know, if, if you're if you're Gary Bettman, like, I love the fact that he leans into that so, so hard. It, it's a good thing. But, again, Montreal Canadiens, they're not on the clock just yet with the first overall pick, but it's getting closer and closer. We're going to find out what direction the Montreal Canadiens end up going with number one overall, and then from there, Everything opens up in, in terms of the draft, what we're going to see. Uh, and there was movement earlier today, Chapman, and, and movement in terms of selection, movement in terms of a big-name player. I, I was very, very vocal when it came to a potential Alex DeBrinket trade for the Chicago Blackhawks. And the main reason why is, listen, I get it. You're a team that's looking to rebuild. You know you're not going to be good. I understand that. I do. But to me, like trading a 24-year-old 40-goal scorer two times over in the National Hockey League just doesn't seem like a good trade to make when you've got players like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves who are in the final year of their contracts and who conceivably can get you assets if you can convince them to, to waive their no-move clauses. Now, I have a couple of different angles that I want to look at this trade from, but here's the trade, and we'll get into it. We'll kind of pull back as we're waiting on the Montreal Canadiens to make the first overall selection in the NHL draft. Alex Dabrinkit to Ottawa for the seventh overall pick tonight, a 2022 second-round pick, and a 2024 third-round pick. So it's all picks, all futures for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's Debrinket to Ottawa for the 7th, a 2022, this year's second round pick. I believe it's 39th, and a 2024 third round pick. On face value, and now keep in mind, it does not appear that there has been any talks or any agreement from Debrinket and Ottawa on a contract extension. Debrinket's got one more year left on his deal at just about $6.5 million. You would expect his next contract's going to be a very large one, but there is no extension attached to it at the moment. What do you think of the return for Chicago here? Oh, I think they got fleeced. I, 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 I mean, the, the, the reality is you you essentially gave up or or all you really got in return was a first and a second round pick. Nobody cares about a third round pick. And what year was it? 2024? Like that, yeah. that, that could be moved somewhere else. Who cares about that pick? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you're, you're Chicago. You need immediate results. Luke Richardson comes in. All of a sudden you trade away a 40 goal scorer. To a team that no, he actually, no, no, they're going to be bad this year. Well, they want to be bad. Yeah, yeah, but but I I will never understand, and, and I know we <laughs> talked about it when the rumors were out there. I don't understand how you want to go through a rebuild, and you do so trading away a young guy like DeBrinket, who scored forty goals not once but twice. 
but twice mm-hmm. he scored 40 goals. I it, It's not a fluke that DeBrinket scored 40 goals. I don't understand how you go through or how you commit to a rebuild and the, the, the guy you trade away is supposed to be the centerpiece of that rebuild. Like, it, it makes no sense to me. And to only get... Okay, let me let me provide a counterpoint. It, there aren't many saving graces here for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I'm going to get into why in just a moment. Um, but I guess if you're if you're Chicago, right, and you view this rebuild as a full tear it all down, this is going to be three to five years before we're even relevant again, meaning we're even pushing for a playoff spot. Then what is a 29-year-old Alex DeBrinket at nine and a half million dollars really going to do for you? I I think that's a fair point, but we we've seen rebuilds go pretty quickly, and they can be mm-hmm. done if they're done the right way. They can be done pretty quickly. Like I I understand that, but if you're Chicago and and you're saying yeah we're gonna stink for that long. Uh-huh. That's that's not that's not selling anything to your fan base. That's telling them, guess what, guys, we're going to suck for the next couple of years. Don't even bother yeah. because you're wasting your time. You're coming to see an AHL team. Like that's what you're telling your fans, and or you're telling them, hey, come see uh, uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze before they retire. Like their retirement uh-huh. tour. Like like that. That's your selling point right now. If you're Chicago, hey, we don't know how much longer these two guys who won three Stanley Cups are going to play. Come see them before they retire because that's all we have on this team right now. You've got a bunch of young guys like Kirby Doc, who you, you really don't know what you're going to get out of him just yet. I mean, you hope he pans out, but there's no guarantee of that. Well, Chapman, Chapman, hold on. Uh, would it surprise you to hear that the Chicago Blackhawks have been entertaining and listening to offers on Kirby Doc? What? Why? Why? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? This is this is a he's twenty one years old. He was your yeah, third overall yeah. pick just three years ago. What are you doing? Why? Yep. You've already got yeah, a set, it's astounding. The, it, it, you already got a first round pick for Debrinket. What what else are you what what are you gonna do? Like what okay. are you doing? Well here's for? where it becomes here here's here's where it becomes funny, Chapman, because you, you just mentioned you already got a first round pick for Alex Debrinket. I think that this trade is terrible for Chicago. I understand the argument of, well, Alex DeBrinket's going to get a big-time payday after the after next season. I'm on board with that. I get it. If you don't want to pay $9.5 million, $10 million for a guy that's going to score 40 goals and is a star you can build the next iteration of your franchise around, if you don't want to do that, I get it. That's fine. But you better be getting fair value in return. And maybe, just maybe... Because there's no extension in place, you aren't able to get a ransom from the Ottawa Senators. But let's be frank. It's the Ottawa Senators. It's Pierre Dorian. <laughs> like, there have been moves that Pierre Dorian has made that are perplexing. One one was actually on the table earlier today, Chabin. Earlier today, if not for Matt Murray... If not for Matt Murray refusing to be traded to the Buffalo Sabres, perhaps this Alex DeBrinket deal doesn't even go through, right? Because the Ottawa Senators were willing, I swear to you, I'm not joking, they were willing to retain salary, retain salary on Matt Murray, plus throw in additional assets to swap picks with Buffalo, 
with Buffalo. And so when Pierre Dorian has that out in the, in the ether and people are looking at that saying, oh my goodness, why would Pierre Dorian do that? Not to mention the fact, like, why would Kevin Adams do that? Yeah. Right? Like, we, we all agree that if Buffalo's looking to go in on a goalie, especially with some of the other news that, ha- that came out today uh, of you know, Darcy Kemper, some other things that we're going to get to, like, to me, you can find your goalie on the open market, especially for a Buffalo team that's going to be better, but isn't going to be a contender next year. Yeah. So and- don't give up assets on a guy that you think might be something. But if not for that nixing of the trade, who knows if Pierre Dorian's in a position, legitimately in a position, where he's able to make this trade. I, I, it's, but, it's mind-blowing. Like, what, what is Chicago doing? Especially knowing that that information is out there. How do you allow yourself to get taken to the woodshed by Ottawa? Knowing, knowing that, but, that he but was willing to retain how, how much, I mean, I don't know if it's out there how much he was willing to retain, but I mean, you, you got to imagine that, that it was significant. Mm-hmm. Otherwise mm-hmm. it wouldn't, why, why would you retain salary? Like I, and, and but, I understand but it from Buffalo. Here's the part, funny thing. I, I wouldn't want, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't they, understand they agree it from Buffalo's part. Too, I, don't, so I don't get I, it at I all. don't know. No, but, but here's, here's the real kicker for Chicago Blackhawk fans. Okay. Because you mentioned, yeah, they get a number one, they get a first overall pick, right? They get a first round pick for Alex Debrinkit. They get number seven, they get number thirty nine in this draft, and then they get a third round pick in twenty twenty four. So it's a first, a second, and a third for all intents and purposes. That first round pick is number seven overall tonight in a draft that a lot of people view as being wide open. There's not a consensus at the top, not necessarily the way that it's been in years past, where you look at 1 through 15, 1 through 10, 1 through 8, 1 through 7, and you're like, okay, this is a a certain class of player, and then from there, it all kind of devolves, and you don't really know what you're going to get. So it's a more wide open draft. So I don't really understand the urge and the the urgency for Chicago to get into the first round right now, this moment, But here's where it becomes really funny. It's when you take the context of what Chicago's done over the last 12 months. Okay, Chicago traded Adam Boquist, a former 8th overall pick, so a first-round pick, and this year's, Chapman, this year's number 6 overall pick to Columbus to get Seth Jones, and then they signed him to that ridiculously stupid contract. Yeah. Ridiculously stupid contract. Okay? Then they moved Alex Debrinkit, who has twice scored 40 goals in this league in a season. And they didn't improve from where they would have been if they just did nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> like, legitimately, Chabin, if if you had an inanimate object be the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks over the last 12 months. Meaning, meaning, you cannot make the Boquist and, and, and you cannot make the Seth Jones trade. You cannot make this Alex Debrinkit trade. Like, if there was nothing in the front office for the Chicago Blackhawks, literally nothing, throw, like if it was a stuffed animal, Chapman, <laughs> frankly, frankly, the Chicago Blackhawks would be in a better spot today than they are actually if they did nothing. If they didn't make the trade for Seth Jones, if they didn't 
trade Alex Dabrinkit. They'd be closer to to bridging the gap on the other side of the rebuild than if they than than what they did in reality over the last twelve months. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Seth Jones thing right now it looks really bad because you, you gave up a bunch terrible to thing. get him. You sign him to a long term deal. I mean, he's in a contract until twenty seven, twenty eight. He's making nine and a half million dollars. It's a lot of money for one defenseman when you don't have anything else there. Um, you know, I, I, I thought at the time it, w- it wasn't a bad deal. I'm like, oh, look at Chicago. You know, they, they, they got Marc-Andre Fleury. They went out and they got Seth Jones. They're actually making an effort. Well, they stunk. They stunk last year. They stunk to start the season. It, it was a disaster, um, you know, from the get-go. It just didn't work. I thought Seth Jones wasn't great. Um, and he's a guy who, who I was a fan of. I, 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 I thought he, he was going to really help that team. He didn't help much. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in a really, really bad spot. And I don't see, you know, sometimes with some of these things, you can see light at the end of the tunnel, like, okay, maybe, maybe if this works out for them, they'll, they'll, there actually won't be. No, I, the, 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 the thing is, I don't think they've hit rock bottom yet. Like I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel it, like there's more to come before they hit that rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I mean, if if Kirby Doc is moved, may, maybe that goes to rock bottom because you're certainly not recovering the number three overall pick for Kirby Doc at this point. But I, I I mean, if I'm if I'm Kane and Taze, why the hell am I there? Why would I want to be there? So, so that's that's my secondary question with this: Is this move like is is the trading of Alex DeBrinket enough to nudge? Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane into waiving their no move clauses and being open to the prospect of a trade. I mean, if I'm those guys, absolutely. I don't want to spend the last year, maybe two, three years of my career in in a rebuild. Like at this point, there's nothing else those two guys could do for the Chicago Blackhawks franchise other than bring in assets. They have done everything that could have been asked of them. Three-time cup winners for a city that hadn't won a cup basically since Moses was walking the earth. You know, I mean, that's how long it was since the Blackhawks had won a Stanley Cup. They got three of them in a short period of time. I mean, they became a dynasty. Why would you want to go out on a terrible team that's not going to make the playoffs, that's going to be rebuilding? I mean, I know both guys have one year left on their deals. I, I just... I, I I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Like I I look in the room and say, I'm playing with a bunch of kids. I'm playing with an AHL team. I I, I just don't want that. I I me personally. Now look, maybe maybe those guys are different. Maybe they're fine with it. I I don't know. But if it's me, yeah, I I like the fact that I'm making ten and a half million dollars to play hockey. But do I really want to suffer? At the end of my career, like I'm a guy, when I, early in my career, pay me as much as I can make. I don't care where I'm playing. I'll play in the worst market in, in, in the NHL if, if the contract is right. But yeah, at this stage, when you've won everything, when you've won it three times, why do you want to end your career like that? I, 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 I wouldn't understand if, unless they came out and they had a really good uh, a reason. By the way, Montreal made their pick. Uh, but yeah. Yep. Yep. No. No. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> Not yet. 
But I, I don't understand why why you would want to go through that at the, the, the end of your career. As your career winds down, I, I just can't understand. Like, you look at the room, you're like, who am I playing with? Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson, <laughs> Taylor Radish. Why? Why? I, 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 I wouldn't want... And hopefully Tyler Johnson comes back and he's fine. But like he, even him, it's like you don't know. If I'm him, I won out too. I've won. I've won cups. I came here thinking I was going to be on a team that was committed to competing. No, I won out too. Trade me. All right, we'll we'll get a little bit more into the the big trade of the day. That's Alex Debrinkit to the Ottawa Senators, including our thought process on Ottawa right now today. Because I'll tell you, every time I feel like I have Pierre Dorian figured out, he goes he goes and does something like this, and um, uh, it it challenges every notion, every idea of who I think Pierre Dorian is uh, as an executive on its head. Because this is a, a great move for the Ottawa Senators, what they do with Debrinkit, and whether or not. It's a longer-term marriage remains to be seen, but I I do like the idea of making this type of splash if you are the Ottawa Senators. And as you mentioned, Chapman, the Montreal Canadiens were on the clock. They did make their, their selection going first overall. Not Shane Wright. It's Uri Slavkovsky. That's an interesting decision for the Montreal Canadiens in that there's a a blend of of size and skill that Slavkovsky has. There's an ability to hold on to the puck as a winger. There is the option, I I think, at some point maybe uh, to test him out down the middle and see if that's something that you can do. But the fact of the matter is, you're talking about a kid that is grown. He's a big, strong, talented winger, and I think kind of what he was able to do in the Olympics opened some eyes, especially playing against men and that to me I think was more enticing to the Montreal Canadiens than the responsibility that maybe you get from a Shane Wright yeah I mean look I I, I think either way they they were going to get themselves a good pick um and and as a guy who who roots for the team that's picking second I'm I'm fine with if they take Shane Wright at number two but, <laughs> but you know I, I I wouldn't be shocked if the Devils took Cooley because their 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 trend the last few years has been taking kids from the U.S. development team so we'll we'll see but yeah I mean what Slavkowski did in the Olympics I thought was really eye opening as you mentioned you know when when you go in there and you're playing with men and you're a kid and you're able to 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 have have effective and you get noticed. I think that raises your stock quite a bit because it, it, it kind of sends a message that, hey, maybe this guy's a little more ready than we would have thought. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I thought that that Montreal, they either way, I thought they were going to go, they were going to be okay. I think both of these guys will end up being fine NHL players, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, a couple of years ago, it, we, there was debate, the debate between Kako and, and uh, Hughes and, and, you know, the way that worked out. So, uh you know, we'll see how this works out, and I would not be shocked if we see Slavkowski in the NHL very, very soon. All right, we're going to take a break right there. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth into the Ottawa Senators. We'll also keep an eye on who the New Jersey Devils select, number two overall. It's the first round of the 2022 NHL Entry Draft. We're keeping our eyes on that as well as everything else going on around the league right here on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. 
2022 NHL Entry Draft. Oh boy. Oh boy. It has been really interesting, the first two picks. As we mentioned before going to break, the Montreal Canadiens did not go with Shane Wright kind of the, the prohibitive number one overall pick for quite a while uh, in this draft. They went instead with Uri Slavkovsky, and that allowed, it opened the door, obviously, for the New Jersey Devils, who had the number two selection, to go with Shane Wright if they so choose. But, Chapman, as you pointed out, Shane Wright's a center. And if you look at the New Jersey Devils and you look at what that team has right now down the middle, I don't know that there's an opening for another center within the organization. You make the argument all you want, you should always select the best available player, and while I do believe that that is Shane Wright in this instance, the New Jersey Devils went in a different direction. They went with a def with a defenseman, Simon Nemich, as the number two overall pick. That's two Slovakian players, number one and number two. It's off the board, I guess, but it isn't really when you think about the organization as a whole and what the needs are for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, I, I could look at their roster and I could understand why they make this pick. I mean, you've got basically a couple of solid defensemen, Dougie Hamilton, Damon Severson, Ryan Graves, but after that, you've got a bunch of guys who are, I mean, and, and Severson and, and Graves are both coming up into UFA years, so... You know, who knows what that means? Uh, White and Subban, both unrestricted free agents. Ty Smith, really young kid, also an RFA after this season. So they, they, they have a bunch of openings for this guy to come in and maybe be a guy who can make the roster right out of camp. I, I don't know, uh, but there is an opening there. Um, I'm, I'm a believer of you go with the best, the best player available when you're picking that high. I don't think... I, the NHL is not the NFL where... You pick a guy based on a need, and you expect him to commit and make an impact right away when you're drafting in the top five, like in the NFL. I think there's a lot of patience that has to go into it sometimes. And, you know, I, I, I think when you're drafting that high, to, to pass on a guy who was, a I don't want to say the consensus number one pick, but a guy who was who was rated as the number one player coming out almost all season to draft a defenseman from, from Slovakia who, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, the Slovakian league isn't exactly... Uh, the best league on the planet. I mean, I'm sure it's maybe one of the top five leagues in Europe. I, I, I don't know. I'm just guessing when I say that. But I, I, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. I understand like, like I understand the reasoning, but it, it's a bit of a surprise for me. I, I, I think you go It's organizational. With, it's, an, yeah. it's an organizational thing, right? Like, I mean, if you're the New Jersey Devils, I think that you are, are fairly confident in the centers that you have right now, right? Like you've got you've got Nico Heischer, you've got Jack Hughes, like you've got guys that are going to be ahead of Shane Wright in the development. And the fact of the matter is, like if you're not if you're looking to draft Shane Wright number one overall, you want him to be an impact player in your top six. And I don't know that that there's the opportunity to do that immediately so you address a need like I, I'm good with the Devils addressing a need here it sucks for Shane Wright uh, because the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> are right now yeah. on the clock and we all know uh, the Arizona Coyotes I I don't want to say they're not a stable franchise but the fact of the matter is they're going to be playing in a college building for the next three or four years <laughs> you're talking about a 5,000 seat arena if you're lucky like to me I I feel badly for Shane Wright. We'll see. We'll see if 
that's the direction the Arizona Coyotes go. But Arizona, Seattle, Philadelphia, the next three picks, uh, they're they're looking at this and saying we're going to get a pretty good player, one of one of the consensus top picks in this situation. And you know, going into it, it could have been status quo. This has been a very um, interesting start to the 2022 entry draft. Yeah, I, I I think the Coyotes are probably ecstatic that that Shane Wright is there. Um, they I, I can't imagine they pass on him, but Logan Cooley, another guy who who could uh, yeah. end up in that in that third spot. But they've got to be pretty happy with the fact that they they have. I would imagine if they had gone into this day seeing Shane Wright on the board, they probably would have been pretty thrilled with it. So we'll see what they end up doing. I mean, it is the Coyotes, so uh, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they take one of those two players. But I, mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait and see because their pick is yeah, up in about twenty seconds. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to to see which direction the Arizona Coyotes go. You mentioned Logan Cooley. I, th- I do think that that's an opportunity uh, that's there on the table for Arizona. I, it's not a guarantee that it's going to be Shane Wright. Logan Cooley uh, is one of those players that I, I think has a lot of confidence, and if you're looking for maybe a little bit more flash in the pan, uh, a little bit more excitement surrounding the, the individual game, Logan Cooley might just be the guy for Arizona, but we'll find out as we continue to monitor the first round of the 2022 NHL entry draft. Uh, it's 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 a little, little interesting considering the Golden Knights do not have a pick in the first round because we're looking at this from a, a little bit of a different angle, and it's a lot more fun when when you can see some of the twists and turns and some things that are a bit unexpected as they happen here on draft day. But we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got the Sam and Ash Legal Minute. What will we do with our day with the Stanley Cup if we ever won it? And temper tantrums, professional sports. We'll see how they mix uh, with Ash from Sam and Ash Law on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. It's Legal Minute with Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. And as we talked about last week with Ash, we are going to get into a fun topic to start off, and that is the Stanley Cup. Ash, how are you doing today? How's, how are things going for you over the last week? Oh, things are great. Busy, so happy to talk to you. Take a quick break out of my day. I love it. Fantastic. So you brought up the idea that we we explore the topic of what would you do with the Stanley Cup? If you got it, if you (laughs) had it for one day, what would you do with the Stanley Cup? So I want to hear yours first, and we'll go to Chapman, and then I'll finish up. But Ash, you just won the Stanley Cup. What are you doing with your day? Oh, man, it is actually a great question. I've spent some time thinking about it. Uh, so one, I have yet to do Slotzilla down Fremont Street, so I would see if the handlers would let uh, the Stanley Cup go down Slotzilla, you know, the, what is it, the <laughs> the slingshot down the, the whole cup. Fremont Street yeah. experience. Yeah. So I would try yeah. and do that, you know, give it a little Las Vegas flair, and then the only other real thing I would have to accomplish is have some animal-style French fries from In-N-Out and enjoy those Ooh. out of the Stanley Cup. 
Yeah, I, I cannot argue with animal-style French fries out of the Stanley Cup. I feel like that's even better than poutine. So um, I'm with you on all of those things. Chapman, we're going to bring you into the fold here, too. What would you do with your day with the Stanley Cup? Yeah, I I, I remember I, I got I got some slack for, for mentioning it a few <laughs> weeks ago. Or flack, not slack. I got some flack a few weeks ago when I said I wanted to go up to the top of Mount Fuji with it. So... Instead, I won't hike Mount Fuji. I would take a helicopter to the top of Mount Fuji, <laughs> take a picture with it at the top of Mount Fuji, and then I would end the day, like Ash, eating something out of the Stanley Cup. However, it would be ramen, and I would enjoy it with my closest friends in in a amazing ramen shop somewhere in Shinjuku, Tokyo. That's uh, one of the places where I, I, I just love it. So, uh, yeah, I, I would want to... And you know what? Just for Just for kicks... There is a a massive Godzilla uh, that that is on the roof of one of the buildings, a hotel in Tokyo. I got married there underneath Godzilla. Nice. I think I would eat the ramen underneath Godzilla as well, just just to to, to bring it full circle. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I I would be really like I, I'm going to be boring. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Like my selections would be incredibly boring. I would just take the Stanley Cup on a tour of all the rinks that I played at as a kid in Southern California. Um, I'd go to every rink that I ever played in. It would be kind of like a coordinated thing where I'd bring the cup. It'd be fun. Kids would get to see it, all that. Um, and then I would probably end the day with um, Rigatoni. Rigatoni out of the out of the top of the Stanley Cup. There was a place that I used to go every night before I would play games as a kid. Um, so I would go there. I'd get rigatoni. I'd get some really good rolls. It'd be delicious. It'd be fantastic. But that's what I would do. It'd be all about uh, kind of seeing the sights with the Stanley Cup and the places that I used to play as a kid. I kind of like the sentimental hey, I, stuff. I love it. I love the nostalgia so I'm, I'm, tour. So what? The next thing I want to know is what would you do the second time you want it? Because then you've already done that tour, Ooh. and so then we'd get your fun, fun stuff. Yeah, you know that's that's a really interesting question. I, I think that you know for me, I, I would, I would probably, I'm like I'm a really really boring person, but I, I would like just hang out with it like as 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 kind of ridiculous as that sounds right like i think that a lot is kind of put into doing things with the stanley cup and i wonder like how many guys that have won it maybe for the second or third time like how much more low-key does it become after that right because you realize how difficult it is to win maybe you just want to kind of hang out and be around it but you know if i were going to go do something fun and i i dislike roller coasters i dislike all of these things uh, but I, there's something for me that i think would be really fun in, in that you can kind of like what chapman's talking about you go to mount fuji you go on like a really cool hike i don't know where that would be for me but mount charleston getting the stanley cup for a day on on the peak like that would be fun i'd probably have to be helicoptered in as well uh but something out in nature something kind of bringing that together uh, marrying that for me, but it would be a day where I can just be with the Stanley Cup without any distractions. Yeah, see, I'm a Jersey Shore guy. I grew up in a place called Point Pleasant Beach, so for me, this one's pretty easy. <laughs> We're going to Point Pleasant. We're going to put the cup down in the middle of the beach. We're going to go grab some nice... Actually, you can't really drink on the on the, on the the beach there, which kind of sucks. Oh, you can't do that? No. Well, welcome to New Jersey, but we would find a way around I'm sure it. No, I'm sure no one does it, Chris. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not going 
going to say I've done it in the past. But, uh, yeah, we, we would spend the day on the Jersey Shore with some nice cold beverages in the in the top of the cup and uh, full of ice. And we would probably eat some burgers and, and boardwalk fries are the best. And then we would probably just uh, hit the bar after. Why not? I love it. Can't go wrong, really. You cannot go wrong with it. No, I, I think it's a great accessory for anything that you choose to do the day that you have it, but uh, definitely. So let's let's get into the, the secondary topic that we had today, and it, it revolves around Chris Sale, uh, star pitcher for the, for the Boston Red Sox, who melted down after a rehab start on Wednesday. He's working himself back from injury, uh, had a rough outing for the, the Worcester Red Sox, did not like the way that he pitched. So threw a bit of a tantrum at, down the down the runway in the dugout, was was ripping things off of the wall, throwing things on the floor, kicking things around him, allegedly had broken a TV that was already broken. Like these are legitimate things coming out of this. Now, I, I guess the question is, given that this was all caught on, on video, I uh, can can his team, right, the, the team, the Boston Red Sox that pay him his salary, and it's a big salary, like, can they make him pay for the damages because of this outburst? Yeah, absolutely. So I, w- I don't know if they actually would come to that, but they could uh, because it had nothing to do with him playing the sport. It wasn't like he hit a ball or threw a ball and it accidentally broke the TV. Uh, this was totally out of the bounds of what he's there for. He went on a rampage and he shattered a TV. I know they said the TV was already broken, um, so there's that factor, but still unacceptable. They can hold him accountable and responsible and ex- expect payment for it. Um, and I think I read recently that he did. He actually is going to replace it, so that's a good sign. It's a good gesture because I've heard that a lot of these major league players, when they go down to the minors to rehab, there, they're mm. they kind of they they treat everyone to nice dinners, to items, gifts, things like that, to kind of just give back to the the next generation of major league ball players. So this was a unfortunate thing to be caught on tape, unfortunate outburst, but it sounds like we're getting the right result. He's going to cover any of the damage. Now, one of the questions that that I had, just kind of as, as it pertains to this, is like I, I'm assuming that this was a home game for Worcester, so it was part of the affiliation with the Boston Red Sox. But what if it were a road game? Like, what if it was in the facility of another MLB affiliated team, but not the Red Sox, who who are the ones that are paying Chris Sale? Yeah, they would still have the same right to have reimbursement for the damage he caused. I mean, the the big difference here, again, is it wasn't in the course of the scope of his playing. It was totally Mm -hmm. just him being a raging, angry player. And so that's why anyone, regardless of whether it was his own team or a visiting team, whether they could get reimbursed for it. Now, when when it comes to these types of instances where you're throwing things around, especially when you start talking about a TV, like there's debris that's flying. Like what would have happened if somebody would have been injured in, in the run of, of that type of outburst? Yeah. Again, it's because it wasn't related to that. If that person got hit with a piece of glass or plastic from the TV and they got cut up and it's scarred, that person would have a personal injury claim. And because it would, it would scar, they'd have medical bills associated with it, and then just the 
damage to their appearance. Um, those are mm. things that they would be entitled to be reimbursed for, especially because it had nothing to do with playing baseball. It was an outburst, and so they would be able to pursue him for those damages, those monetary damages and anything else. So before we let you get out of here, you mentioned the the second day with the Stanley Cup. You, you told us about your yeah. first day with the Stanley Cup. If you if you wanted a second time, what would you do? Oh, you know it's funny when I was thinking about this. I had a similar nostalgia. Would I take it around to the kids and mm. to youth programs to inspire the next uh, generation of Stanley Cup winners? And I think that's definitely something I would do because I remember those moments when I played sports as a kid. And there's nothing like it. And it's those those opportunities are hard to come by for most kids. And so I would definitely try to get, make it as accessible to youth hockey players as possible to see it, enjoy it, ask questions, ask an answer, you know, something like that. So they can get that uh, invigorated spirit next time they step on the ice and think about that moment when they're having those low moments. Sports are tough. They get you down. And so... Mm-hmm. Thinking about stuff like that and interactions like that is kind of what gets you through it and keeps you going. Just incredible stuff, Ashley. Uh, Ashley Watkins with SalmonAshLaw.com. Uh, great stuff. Always fun catching up with you here every single week. We'll be uh, chatting once again next week before we go on hiatus for the summer. So it'll be really nice to, to chat with you next week. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for doing this. And thank you for having a little bit of fun when we, with, with our idea of what we would do with the Stanley Cup. I'll always love having fun with you guys. Have a great one. That is Ashley Watkins with Sam at com. Give him a call, 702-820-1234. If you need any questions answered, they are the ones to, to pick up the phone and call and get those questions answered. Sam at com because you deserve what's right. We're back with our number two of the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.